0: to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, while you're turning there, since the pastor has just blown my love offering, um, just want to know if anybody has any tips on any horses tomorrow. <laughs> so no, I don't bet, I don't believe in that, I don't do that But um, <clears throat> I do love being around horses And I, these and the horses here are different than my horses My horses are quarter horses And so we rodeo, rope and all that So they're a little bit muscled up, a little thicker And um, not as fast as these thoroughbreds So I like seeing them being around them And who knows, maybe we'll get to lead somebody to Jesus over there It never fails that somebody gets in my arena And we're roping and uh, getting, they get saved there, and so it's a good thing. So uh, we're going to be doing that tomorrow, I guess. Um, but um, I, I want to say, you know, we've got a lot of different people here tonight, a lot, a lot of different kinds of people. We, we've got in here tonight, we've got men and we've got women. And men and women are different from each other. We, I know that surprises you. We, we don't think the same. We don't think the same way. And ladies, I'm just going to tell you all something. If you ask your husband, if he's just staring off in the, into nowhere, and just looking, has this blank stare on his face, and you say to him, what are you thinking about? If he says nothing, he's telling the truth. <laughs> See, we can do that. I know y'all can't do that. Because y'all, y'all are looking like a, this paint, like, I wonder what kind of paint that is. I wonder if we could, or maybe you look at that stained glass. And say, your minds are constantly going, not ours. We, we don't always have to be going. And so we're, we're different in that way. And not only are we different like in, you know, men and women, we're, we're also different in age. I mean, I want to tell you something. When, when, I, when I hit 40, all of a sudden it just started slipping out of my mouth. And Pastor, it's your birthday today. So, I'm sure you've already started saying this. Well, back in my day, you, you ever slip up and say that? It just start, When you hit 40, it just comes out. It just like, you don't even mean to do it. It just starts coming out. And so, I was with the worship team about a month ago, and one of the worship team people said, uh, well, back in my day, they were 25 years old. Back in my day, I'm thinking, you, you don't even have a day. What, what are you talking about back in my day? You can't even use that yet. But, But have you noticed that the older you get, the worse everything gets? Have y'all noticed that? I I mean, like, you know, it's like back in my day, we walked six miles to school, up a hill, no up a mountain, in the snow. Matter of fact, we didn't even walk because we didn't have no feet. So we just had to climb a mountain with with our nubs just to go to school. I mean, it just gets worse and worse the older you get. And so we're different in that way. So we're different in, our, in gender. We're different in age. But here's the thing. We're a lot alike in a lot of areas. And the most important ones. I mean, we're different in a lot of ways. But physically, we have three things in common that we all have to have to survive. we got to have air to breathe, food to eat, and water to drink. We have to have that to survive. And just like we have some physical traits that we have to have in common, we also have some emotional traits. Whether you're a guy, girl, whether you're a man, man, woman, or whether you're how old you are, whether you're a senior adult or student or child or whatever, we all have some same emotional traits. And those emotional traits that we all have in common is, one is, everyone is born empty deep inside. You are born with a hole in your heart, and it can only be filled by God himself. That's why you were created. That's how you were created. And we try to fill it with other things, whether it's a job, whether it's relationships, whether it's stuff, whether it's money, whatever, whether it's success or status. And nothing can fill that void in your life except God, God himself. Some of you think, well, maybe if I was famous, then if I was famous, then then everything would be good. I wouldn't have that hole in my heart. A famous country western singer, Keith Urban, said this. He said, I realized playing to massive stadiums would not fill the hole deep down inside of me. And because that didn't work, then he turned to alcohol and drugs, end up in rehab as a result of all that. Because being famous didn't fill that void in his life. Some of you say, well, no, it's not about that. It's money. Money's the issue. It's always, we're always fighting about money. And if I had money, then everything would be fine. Simon Cow, I should be preaching this tomorrow night when our American Idol boy is here. Mr. Sam. But Simon Cowell said this. He was recently interviewed uh, in his 14,000-square-foot home with maids and servants and staff and a guest house and his, uh, his uh, Rolls-Royce and his Bentley and his Ferrari. And he said this. He said, because, I mean, you would think somebody like that had all that kind of money to be happy, right? Here's what he said in the interview. He said, I get into very dark moods for no reason. Nothing in particular brings it on. You could be having the best of time in your life, and yet you're utterly and totally miserable. I'm just a wandering asteroid without a home. I get to the point in my life where I think I'm never going to be happy. It doesn't have to be that way. You can be happy tonight. You can have peace and purpose and meaning tonight. He said, Ronnie, that's not it. I'm not about the money, I'm not about the fame, I'm just about the pleasure. It's all about pleasure for me. Okay, let's tell you, if you think pleasure would solve that hole in your heart, uh, look at comedian and actor Russell Brand. He married Katy Perry, and they got a divorce. Here's what he said. When he moved from, from London over here to the United States, this is what he said. He said, when, we, when he got to the U.S., he said his goal in life was to sleep with as many women as possible. He said it was nothing for him to sleep with at least five women a day. A day. He said this, My life has been consumed with narcissism, ambition, vanity, desire, and lust. I work hard at these things, and I am a stinking, wretched monument to self-absorption. He'd also been involved with heavy drugs like LSD and crack cocaine and and heroin. And he said this. He said, what I have realized is all this stuff that I've used has done nothing for me. The status, the fame, the power, the money, it is all meaningless. Let me ask you a question. If those three guys have partied and had stuff to the fullest of something that nobody here will ever get to that level, if it didn't satisfy them, what makes you think it'll satisfy you and fill that hole in your heart? We're born empty. But not only are we born empty, we're born lonely inside. Maybe you're hiding behind the facade and you think, well, no, if I just get married, then, then that'll fill that void in my life. A psychologist said this, that even marriage will not so, fill that void of loneliness in your life because then what happens is then you demand that from your spouse like to fill that void in their life, and you're demanding something that they can't do. They can't fill that void in your life. Only God can. You say, well, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I, yeah, I am lonely. God's the only one that can feel that tonight. But not only are we all born lonely, we're all born guilty as well every single one of us why because we've sinned we've done bad stuff and we're guilty hey and if you've ever felt bad about something that you've done that's a good thing because what that means is is your conscience is working billy graham quoted a famous psychologist out of london and he said this he said this he said i could release half of my patients in a psych ward that he, he was in charge of, he said, I could release half of my patients if I could find a way to relieve them of their sense of guilt. They're guilty, and so because they're guilty, they can't even function in life. The only one that can relieve your sense of guilt is God. He's the only one that can do that. And he paid for your sins, so you can have forgiveness and peace and purpose and meaning. But we're not only all born guilty, everyone is afraid of dying. Everybody's afraid of that. You say, why? Because the statistics on death, pretty good. Did you know this? One out of every one person is gonna die. That's a good stat. That means we're all going to die. And a lot of people are afraid of dying. All of y'all know who William Shatner is, he's Captain Kirk on Star Trek. Y'all remember him? Captain Kirk is now in his 80s, and he said this. He said, I am so not ready to die. It petrifies me. It might be painful. It might be horrible. I go to a place I don't know. I spent my whole life trying to be known, and I go to a place that's unknown. Woody Allen said this. He said, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Well, you're going to be there when it happens. Nobody's going to escape that. We're all going to be there when, when our own death happens. We're going to be there. And here's the thing. You can have peace about death. You can know that when you die, you're, you're going to spend eternity in heaven guaranteed with God one day. And you can have that tonight. Where, how are we going to find that out? By talking to, about a guy and looking at a guy who talked to Jesus. He's going to remind you a lot of us because he's just like us. This guy named Nicodemus we just briefly touched on him on Sunday morning and I want to go more in depth with him tonight in John chapter 3 verse 1 the Bible says this it says now there was a Pharisee a man named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council he came to Jesus at night and said rabbi we know that you're a teacher who's come from God for no one can perform these signs you're doing if God were not with him now, in just a few words, we find out a lot about Nicodemus. First of all, it says he was a Pharisee. You know what that means? He was strict on serving God. I mean, you're talking about he was there every time the doors were open. Do you realize by the time he was 15 years old, he had the entire Old Testament memorized. By the time he was 15. This guy tied 30% of his income. He was in church all the time. He was of the strictest sect. The Pharisees. Not only was he a member of the Pharisees and the Jewish council, he was also a teacher. Matter of fact, Jesus ended up saying to him, oh, you're the teacher of Israel? And you don't know this stuff? So he, he was well known. He was famous. He had money. He was educated. He had all this stuff. And Jesus told him, when we see in here, he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. So he spent his whole life studying the law. He tried to be as close to God as possible, but he fell short. I don't know if some of you remember the um, in the Olympics in 2004, there was a guy by the name of Matt Emmons, and he was um, competing in the three-point rifle uh, shot uh, contest. And so he was one shot away, last shot. If he just hit the target, he'd win a gold medal for the U.S. He gets up to shoot his last shot, and something that is like, Cannot be explained in elite competition of this level. Matt Emmons gets up. All he had to do was just hit the target, not even a bullseye. Just hit the target, and he wins the goal. For some unknown reason, nobody knows what happened. Matt shot. He was in lane two. He shoots at lane three and hits the target, hits the bullseye in lane three. But he hit the wrong target. And as a result of his shot, of his great shot of hitting the bullseye, he got a zero and ended up not winning the gold for the U.S., but placed eighth in the world as a result of that. There's a lot of you that are just like Matt. You're striving and doing this, getting a whole, your whole life, you've done good, you've done all this stuff, and you strive and you're trying to accomplish just like Nicodemus. But at the end, you realize your whole life you've been shooting at the wrong target. The bottom line is the only way that we can have peace and purpose and meaning is not through all the stuff and trying to fill that void in your life through things or uh, popularity or money or status or this or that or a spouse The only one that can fill that void is Jesus. And you're going to climb that ladder, and you're going to realize at the end of your life, your ladder is leaning up on the wrong wall. Jesus is the only one. He's the only one that can fill that void in your life. Well, what happened when Jesus said, talk to him? Jesus says to Nicodemus, he says, Nicodemus, verse 3. He said, very truly, he, Jesus just cut to the chase. And that's what I like about Jesus. He don't mess around. He just got right to the point. And here's what he said, verse three. He said, very, very, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born, uh, Nicodemus said, when they're old? Surely they can't enter the second time of their mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Now, that phrase born again sounds really good to us, right? I mean, that sounds good. It's, but to quote a famous line out of The Princess Bride in Digna Montoya, he says, You keep using that word. I don't think that word means what you think it means. And a lot of times we think this born again means to reinvent ourselves, And we like to reinvent ourselves, right? Well, we think, well, if I can just um, lose some weight, or if I can just look, you know, maybe, maybe wear some new clothes, and maybe look, you know, fresher, or maybe younger, maybe if I could do something like that. And, and you, but that's not what this word being born again means. That's not what he's talking about. You say, well, if I can get, maybe if I can just get a tattoo, a new tattoo, <laughs> Hey, let me just tell y'all something about that. I don't have anything, kiss tattoos or anything, but I've been to Sturgis Bike Week three years in a row. And um, when when we went and we were doing ministry there and also Galveston Bike Week, I've seen a lot of cool tattoos, but y'all just need to know something. Those things change. I don't know if y'all know that or not, but that, that cute little Tweety Bird is going to be a big old pterodactyl one day. You know, Tweety bird's gonna be big bird, is what's gonna happen. So that's all cool, but that's not gonna change your life. You see, the only one to can change your life is Jesus. And Jesus said, You have to be born again. So no matter how much you try to change the outside, the issue is the heart. That's where the issue is. And former uh, New York Yankees coach Billy Martin, y'all remember, some of y'all remember Billy Martin? Billy Martin said this one time in an interview. He said, I'm a Christian, I'm just not one of those born-again ones. That's what Billy Martin said. All right, let me just tell you something. Uh, you can't be a Christian unless you're born again. There's no other way. You've got to be born again. You say, well, what does it mean to be born again? It literally means to be born from above. That's what it means. And so G. Campbell Morgan said this. I like this, what he said. He said, basically, being born again is twofold. The first part of it is our repentance. That's, one, that's the first part. The second part of it, of being born again, is the regeneration of our spirit. And only God can do that. We cannot regenerate our own spirit. Only God can regenerate us. So it's a twofold thing. We admit we sin, we repent and turn from our sin, and God regenerates our spirit, and we are born from above. That's what it's talking about. Now, Nicodemus basically said, teacher... And what he's doing when he says that, he's showing respect to Jesus. He's saying, Rabbi, teacher. And basically, Jesus was saying, hey, um, let's just cut to the chase, Nick. Uh, I know why you're here. I know what you're looking for. And I know what you're missing in your life, Nicodemus. But hey, Nick, uh, it's not enough to respect me or admire me. You have to commit your life to me. That's what he was telling Nicodemus. And a lot of people and a lot of world religions and cults and all that stuff, they, they say, oh, well, we admire Jesus. Oh, he was a good man, a good prophet, a good teacher. Jesus didn't give us that option. It's either he's God or he's not. Do y'all understand that? Do y'all understand how illogical it is for somebody, a Muslim, a Mormon, a Jehovah's Witness or whoever, to say, oh, no, Jesus was a good man. He was a good teacher. Well, here, here's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I'm the only way to heaven. There is no other way. And because he said that, millions and millions and millions of Christians have died because of their faith in Christ. So if he is not God, he's the worst man that ever walked on this planet. Do y'all understand that? So he wasn't, if, if, if he's not God, he's worse than Adolf Hitler. He's worse than Saddam Hussein. He's worse than Hamas right now that's over there killing uh, Israelites and killing uh, Americans. He's worse than all of them. Because of their faith in Jesus. So I am just want you to know, Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. So he didn't give us the option of, well, you can, ex- you can admire me, you can respect No, he said, you have to commit your life to me. That's the only way. So there was a guy in 1859, and his name was, uh, they called him the Great Blondin. And what he did was he went to uh, Canada and strung a rope across Niagara Falls. And he was a tightrope walker. And so he starts walking across. He says, who, who, who thinks I can walk across the Niagara Falls? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we think you can. He goes, no, who really thinks I can walk across Niagara Falls? And they're like, yes, we believe, we believe. So he starts walking across in some tense moments and stuff and almost falls. He gets all the way across. And they're cheering him on. Oh, you're the great blondin. You're the great blondin. Yes, we believe. We believe. He says, okay, how many of you now believe not only can the great blondin walk across Niagara Falls on this rope, how many of you believe that I can push a wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls on this rope? And they're like, yes, we believe. You're the great blondin. You're the great blondin. He said, okay, so who's going to get in the wheelbarrow? Silence. Nobody said a word. It's one thing to say, oh, yeah, we believe. It's another thing to get in the wheelbarrow. And a lot of people here tonight, oh, you said you believed in Jesus. You go, oh, no, I believe in Jesus. I think he's a great man. I believe all that. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to get in the weird world and say, God, I commit my life to you. I trust you with my whole life. And if you've never done that before, you've never been born again. And Jesus said, in order to go to heaven, you have to be born again. And if you'd like to be born again tonight, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. You say, well, well, did Nicodemus, was he born again? Well, at this point in the story, he tells it and leaves. He came in the middle of the night looking over his shoulder, making sure none of his buddies saw him coming. And then he slipped out. Jesus said, you got to be born again. It just blew his mind. He leaves. So at that point, if his story ended right there, we'd say, no, he didn't come to Christ. But something happened to Nicodemus between John chapter 3 in John chapter 19 because here's what happened in John chapter 19 verse 38. The Bible says this later Joseph now this is Jesus has been crucified on the cross buried he, he, he taken down from the cross and they were going to take him to bury him in a grave in a tomb okay that's where we're at verse 38 later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. But with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. Verse 39, he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. And Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, to basically embalm the body of Jesus. So something happened between John chapter 3 and John chapter 19. He went from hiding, tucking his tail, not wanting anybody to know, to boldly in front of everybody, risking his reputation, his status on on the Jewish council, everything that he had, his respect as the teacher of Israel. And he says, I want the body of Jesus. He is saying that he is the Messiah. He believes he's who he says he was. And that's what everybody in here has to do. If you have never been born again, and you have never publicly said, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. Then according to the word, you haven't been born again. You've got to publicly say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Because every single person that Jesus called out in the Bible to be his disciple, he called them out publicly. The Bible says in Romans ten nine, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. We are to boldly say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. You say, well, Ronnie, I don't think you really, you know, you don't really need to do it publicly. This is a private thing. This is between me and God. Uh, Do you know what Jesus said about that in Matthew 10, 32 and 33? He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. He says, if you don't confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father who's in heaven. It is imperative that you take a stand and say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. You say, but Ronnie, I've been a member of this church for like 20-something years, 30 years, 40 years. You know, what are they going to say? Who cares what they say? It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It matters what God says. And God's not going to rewrite his word for you just because you've been a member of this church for 40 years. You have to boldly say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm committing my life. I'm going all in with him. And if you've never done that before, you've never been born again, I'm going to give you a chance to do it right now. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray that prayer just like what he said, what he talked about, where he says to repent and believe in him. If you've never done that before and you want to do that, I'm going to pray that prayer. And right where you're seated, you can pray with me and invite Christ to come to your life. And he'll save you. and He'll change your life forever. You know, you've been missing something, that loneliness, that no peace, afraid of dying. You don't have to worry about that no more. That hole that's in your heart, it can only be filled with Jesus. And he wants to do that for you tonight. Can you do me a favor? Can we bow our heads and close our eyes, please? And just for the next two minutes, nobody get up, nobody leave, not a, the worship team, not a deacon, not a anybody, usher, nobody. Pray this prayer with me right now. You say, Ronnie, I've never done that before. I've never gone all in. You can go all in with him right now. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, if you want that peace, that purpose, that meaning, you pray this prayer with me right now. Because he died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and he rose again and wants to give you eternal life. So pray this prayer. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I've messed up. And I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. And God, I turn from my sins. And I invite you into my life to be my boss, my Lord, and my best friend. Thank you for down the cross for me. And thank you for saving me, Lord Jesus. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've never done that before, and say, Ronnie, I just prayed that prayer, I meant business and I was serious about that. If you just prayed that prayer with me, would just those of you that prayed that prayer, would you just look up at me right now and let me catch your eyes? Say, Ronnie, that's me. I just prayed that prayer, I just invited Jesus to come to my life, okay? Anyone else? Say, Ryan, that's me. I just prayed that prayer. I just invited Jesus to come to my life. Anybody else in this section over here? Over here? All right. Got you. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Anyone else? Say, Ryan, that's me. Okay. Well, just those of you that prayed that prayer, just keep looking up. Everybody else's head's bowed and eyes closed. Just those that prayed that prayer. Hey, I want you to know this. According to what the Bible says, God has come to live in you, and he will never leave you. You say, okay, so what am I supposed to do now? Well, now you're supposed to take a stand. You're supposed to do just like Nicodemus did. You're supposed to come out publicly and say, yes, I'm a follower of Christ. You say, well, how do I do that? Here's what we're going to do. In just a second, we're going to stand. When we stand, I'm going to pray. When I say amen, Brother David's going to lead us and sing. Matter of fact, would you all go ahead and come on up, worship team? When I say amen, and he sings Those of you that prayed that prayer and you invited Jesus to come to your life, you get out of your seat and you come forward and say, yes, I'm now a follower of Christ. So when I say amen, when we stand, you step out and come. Pastor will be right here. Pastor, would you go ahead and come on right here? I'll be down here. And all of you that prayed that prayer, you come to me, you come to the pastor. You say, hey, I prayed that prayer with Ronnie. And we just want to pray with you, give you some material, and we're excited about your decision. So could you do me a favor? Can we all please stand now with heads bowed and eyes closed? Heads bowed, eyes closed. As soon as I say amen, he leads us in singing. You step out and come. I'll be right down here waiting for you. You come on. Let's pray. Father, thank you for those that trust the Lord and Savior. I pray, God, you give them courage and boldness to take a stand for you right now. Bless their obedience, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, he sings, you come on right now. Counselors, come help us, please.